Michael, would you please come up and read for us out of um, Colossians chapter 1, again, verses 24 through 29. I think I got it right that time. And church, would you please stand with me out of respect for God's word as we hear from the word of the Lord this morning. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to his saints, to whom, to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. May God bless the reading of his word. Amen. I heard someone read this after reading the scripture, and I think it's a phenomenal thing to read every week from here on out. But the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Amen. Out of Isaiah 40. Pray with me. Father, this morning as we come to your word, as we come to this moment where we seek your guidance and your direction in our lives, and we seek what you would have for us. I pray your spirit to be present with us. I pray that he would work in our lives as he and only he can. Father, I pray the prayer in Colossians that we this morning might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that we as your people might walk in a manner worthy of you. Walk in a manner that is fully pleasing to you, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in our knowledge of who you are. Father, may you strengthen us with all power according to your glorious might for all endurance and impatience with joy, giving thanks to you. You have qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints. And so, Father, we pray this prayer that you would grant these things to us this morning as we come to your word that you would speak through me, a very weak vessel. We just pray these things in the name of your Son. Amen. All right, so we enter right back into the book of Colossians. And so if you weren't with us prior to Christmas, uh, we have been in the book of Colossians for several months now. And the idea behind the book of Colossians, and one of the things that we wanted to touch base on and really pour ourselves into is this idea that the gospel was continually increasing in its bearing of its fruit, of, of the fruit. Uh, throughout all of Mesopotamia, all the way up into today, that this wonderfully ancient and beautiful thing in the gospel continues, even today in 2022, to do new things, not only in the lives of God's people, but uh, in the lives of people who are not his people yet, as people are coming into the kingdom of God. And so as we look at that, we want to continue to look at what Colossians has and what Paul is writing to the people there in Colossae in regards to how we can pursue that type of a life. Now, today I'm going to talk about something uh, that's an interesting topic for sure, and it's the idea of maturity. It's a funny word for sure in our culture. It seems to be a pretty subjective thing. It brings up a lot of questions in our world, asking, like, what does it mean to be mature? When does maturity come? What are the expectations for maturity? Some would say that maturity is reached when a certain person reaches a, 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 a certain economic place of independence in their life. Others would say that it's when they begin to act like an adult, whatever that means in our day and age, right? Well, the idea of maturity is all over the board, but I did read something that I thought was a really interesting guide, and it was coming out of a magazine called The Atlantic. And so what I found fascinating about this kind of guide is it's not a definition, but there are some principles that we're actually going to see reflected in the Word of God. And I love it when people who don't know Jesus accidentally affirm Jesus. Amen? Like, that's just a, an interesting, fun thing for me. But anyway, here's four principles that the Atlantic says engage maturity. Orientation towards work rather than play. It's an interesting one to think about, isn't it? 
Once you've become, you've oriented yourself towards work instead of play, then it's a sign of maturity. Taking a long-run view rather than acting impulsively or spontaneously. Anybody who knew me when I was young, um, and most kids, uh, young people, we act very spontaneously and impulsively. Not always thinking through what that's going to end up being in the long run. Three is being serious rather than silly. Scripturally, this is what it means to be sober-minded, and we'll talk about that later today. Identifying with and taking the side of older people. Amen, older people? I guess if you say, oh man, amen, then you're saying you are an older person, and nobody wants to say that, but no, seriously, like, immaturity, like, even as I've grown, like, you know, when you're young, you're like, they don't know anything, and then later you're like, oh, wait, they did know some things, and I probably should actually listen to some of the things that they say. Now, here's the thing. This seems like a helpful thing, but it's not perfect in any stretch of the imagination, because maturity is really, really complex, isn't it? Like, we've got physical maturity, we've got emotional maturity, we've got social maturity, you've got spiritual maturity. And, you know, when we think about this idea of maturity, another thing that we want to start the conversation with is even being aware of the reality that not everybody wants to mature. Have you ever met that young person who just thinks that life is all about fun and games and, and you can just kind of enjoy life and be successful and happy and wise and any kind of number of things without ever oppressed to mature. I think I can just continue to be a teenager the rest of my life. doesn't work so easy. This also is real because we see that to become mature is never something that happens without challenge, does it? Maturity comes with challenges and intention and difficulty and discipline, and that's not something that's really, really celebrated in our world and in our culture. You know, as we enter into this new year, as we come back into the book of Colossians, in this, I think this is a perfect text for us to think about a couple of different things. First, it presses us to consider maturity. What does it mean to be mature? But it also presses us to the value of maturity. Like, do we see the value of seeking to grow in our maturity? Are we, as the people of God in this place, at this time, right now, in 2022, are we mature in Jesus? It also makes us ask the question, and at least helps us to understand and discern, what is the aim of the church? Like, why, why do you come to church? What is your expectation of leaders of the church, of shepherds of the church, of myself and the other pastors and the other elders? And I want to start there because we want to understand what it is that the church should be all about. And so this text helps us to illuminate our mission. It's the illumination of the mission of the church. So here's the thing. If you want to know who we are, what we are all about, what we are aiming for, it's right here in this text. Sadly, this doesn't seem to be a question that's all that important for a lot of people as they come to church. Sadly, a lot of people don't seem to care all that much about this topic, about this idea. I can't think of anything that's more important than this, anything that's more important than these ideas. And so for us as the church, first of all, your leaders understand that we are stewards just like Paul says, stewards of the ministry of God. Here's what that means. This isn't our church. It's not our church. It's not my church. It's not any, any of our church. It's his church. We do not answer to people. We do not answer to structures. We do not answer to government. We answer to the head who is given to the church, who is Jesus Christ. This is God's church. Which, if I'm honest, that can be really scary for myself and for anybody who would want to step into leadership. In fact, the scripture is very, very clear that those that hold this type of stewardship, this type of, of role in the life of the church, those people are going to be judged more severely than those who are not in leadership. So, anybody want to step in to start teaching? But that's this terrifying thing. Anyone who sees that shepherding role is a means to gain or the praise of men, like you are missing it and you should be terrified. 
Because the church is his, and we, as Paul says in this book, in Colossians, are simply stewards of the ministry of reconciliation. He says that in verse 25. He, not Paul, God, Jesus, is our master. Second, for you, as you look at the church and you start to think about, like, what does it mean to be in the church, and, and what does leadership look like, and what should they be aiming for? We see what our goal as stewards of the church our specific calling as stewards of the church should be, which is to make the word known. Our first priority is not to entertain you. Our first priority is not to coddle or to pander to the waves and the winds of the day and the culture. Our first priority is to make his word fully known to the people of God. Fully known to the people of God. The full counsel of God. Even as we continue in the book of Colossians, we know that there's going to be some people over the course of time, because you look at the book of Colossians and it's only a few chapters long, four, and you'd think we could easily get through that in four weeks, right? No way. We've already been in it for like eight. Maybe I think it's like seven. And some would go, well, man, why are we in this so long? Let's get to something newer. Let's get to a new series, something more novel. No, no. We want to be in the deep parts of the Word of God. Amen? Like, we want to know the Word of God fully. And frankly, I can be in Colossians over and over and over and over again, and I can still see that I am yet mature, as we'll talk about later, the way that I want to be mature. There's still more here. So if anybody comes to me and says, man, I'm tired of Colossians, my answer would be, great, can you teach me Colossians? Because clearly you've figured it out and you're being obedient to everything that's there in the book of Colossians. But see, this is what happens so often in the churches. We want the newest thing. We want the newest sermon series. We want to jump to the next thing, but we want to make the word of God fully known, fully known. As we pray as leaders about what and how and the length of time to stay in a topic, we are praying as a group, as stewards. We are pleading with the Lord to guide and to direct us, to help us to cover what he wants and, and, and what his will is for you and for us. And I just think it's important for you to know that is not something I do by myself. Like, I don't just say that as something that's uh, a nice thing to say, ask any one of our pastors, along with several of our elders and several other lay people that every Tuesday morning get together to dig into the Word of God and pray and seek what it is that God would have for us as the people. You know why? I don't trust myself to be the only one discerning what God has for the people of God in this church. Because it's not my church. It's not my church. But we, as your elders and pastors, we want to make the word of God fully known. That is our aim. We talked about the power of his word last week. That it is our primary source for equipping and being equipped in this life. And that the spirit of God uses that as the primary source to, to speak to us, to challenge us, to convict us, to move us. It's what Paul hoped for in the people of Colossae. And like us... And like him, it's what we toil and what we struggle for. It's a labor. It's a work that we seek to accomplish through his power. And brothers and sisters, when we fail and we will and we do, when we labor in our own strength and we find that out and see it, then we as, your, as, as shepherds of this church seek to repent of that. But our toil, our specific aim, and lots of churches had different aims, don't they? But ours, ours is to make the word known, to be stewards. I think this is a really important thing because I think a lot of times we think about churches and we think about what it is to go to church. We don't think about whether or not that church is aiming towards what the biblical call is for the church. And I'm not going to get into all the different specific churches, this one and that one or this teacher or that church, but we do need to understand that every church is aiming at something. Some would aim to entertain. Let's just get as many people in here to entertain them and make everything happy and enjoyable. Some would simply seek to give a great TED Talk every single week. Some of you know what those are. 
Right? Where it's, it's about therapy and making sure that our lives are great and, and we're happy and all the things are going good in our lives. And some, some churches would aim to do that. Some churches would, would aim to uh, focus on families. Some churches would aim to do all kinds of different things, to make it encourage us every single week. Some churches aim to be relevant. Some churches aim to pursue a particular experience week in and week out. Our aim is not those things. Now, here's the thing. Some of those things happen for sure. Absolutely. At least I hope that they do. I hope it's not completely boring when you come here. I hope it's, you're not miserable. I mean, obviously, that's not the point. We think that these things do happen, but that's not what we struggle for. That is not our toil. Our toil is to make his word known, and not only just to make his word known, but to make his word known for a very specific purpose, which is right here in Colossians chapter 1, when Paul says that he may present everyone mature in Christ. That is our goal. That every single person in this space would come to know Jesus, would come to daily grow in the depth of that knowledge and more faithfully follow him in every single part of their lives. Salvation is not the end goal, is it? Do we love it when people come to know Jesus? Absolutely. Is that a primary role of the church? To go therefore and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has told them? Absolutely. Is that, our, is that the end goal for us? Absolutely not. We are called to make disciples, not converts. Like, that, that's a beautiful thing to see salvation, but that's not the end goal. It doesn't stop there. Ever-deepening maturity is the goal of the church, both largely and individually. Man, we love it when people come through these doors who do not know Jesus. We want to introduce them to Jesus. We want to introduce them to Jesus through his word. And we want to introduce them to Jesus through our love for one another and for our love for them. We want to be hospitable. We want to help them understand the weird things that we do, right? Because for a non-believer, the stuff we do is just strange. We want all of those things, but we want them to understand who Jesus is. And we want them to not just believe in some facts about Jesus, but we want them to put their whole life of faith in Jesus and to walk with him and to become one of his disciples. And we love non-believers coming into this space. You know what else we love? We love spiritual babies. You love spiritual babies? These are people who have not been walking with the, the Lord for very long. Maybe their faith is brand new. Now, before you say, yes, you love spiritual babies, you just got to understand what's coming with spiritual babies. Thank you, Jackie. I think that was Jackie. Like, babies aren't clean, are they? Like, babies are messy. Like, you, you, you love your babies. You're glad they're there. But they're messy. I'm, I'm sure every single one of you parents has had that moment where you're dressed, ready to go to church in the morning, and you're walking out the door, and you pick up your kiddo, and, and, and suddenly you smell something. And you realize that the small apocalypse that happened inside their diaper didn't stay confined to the diaper. Like, it's all over their clothes and all over your clothes. And, and suddenly you're like, ah. Oh. And you go into the room, and you're going to be late, and now you're stressed, and all these different things. And the whole time, I'm not yelling at my kid. I'm not mad at my kid. It just comes with the territory. Like it's just part of it. They're messy. They bring mess into the space. Isn't it crazy that sometimes we as the church, we want people to come to faith in Jesus. We want them to acknowledge that they're spiritual babies. But when they act like spiritual babies and create a mess, we lose our minds. I'm so glad that there were people in my life that were patient enough to walk with me as I matured. Can we be that church? I want us to be that church. In fact, I would simply say this. Something is severely wrong if there are no spiritual babies in this space. And that brings mess. It absolutely brings about mess. Maybe you don't want to be mature. Maybe you don't see the need for maturity. 
I want to encourage you to see that there is real danger of both spiritual and physical immaturity. And I say this because this is really, really important for us to understand that if you, I can't make you mature. I can't make you desire to mature and to grow in faith. There's a lot of people that are just super happy to be teenagers or toddlers their entire lives. But understand, one, there's a tremendous danger in that. Just like there's a tremendous danger for physical babies. So what kind of dangers are there? Let me just walk through that real quick. And this is a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I think it's really important. One, babies can't stand alone, can they? Like babies try to stand up and they fall on their faces and get hurt. Like is that how we want to stay as Christians? Constantly falling up and standing up and falling on our faces, getting hurt? Like I hope not. Babies can't eat solid food. Listen, you will never know what it's like to open up the Word of God and have the Spirit enlighten you and work in your heart, giving you spiritual stake unless you're doing it yourself. There are way too many people in the church that are super happy to come to church once every couple weeks and hear me or some other teacher stand up on stage and give you predigested spiritual food. Listen, I'm glad we have this opportunity. This is tremendously important for the church, but don't stay there. Don't stay there. Go after the meat. Go into the Word of God yourself. That's why we're doing the Bible reading plan. That's why we encourage you to do the Bible reading plan. So that you are in the Word of God yourself. Because babies, they can't eat solid food. So grow, mature. Babies can't survive, can they? This is all over Scripture spiritually. You've got the parable of the, uh, of the soil, uh, that the, the seeds of the Word of God get choked out or they get uh, confused or stolen away by the enemy. We've got this call to endure to the people of God all the time because spiritual babies won't survive the constant wind, the constant press, and the constant attack of the enemy. I don't even know that we can survive our own flesh, let alone the attack of the enemy. So you have to want to continue to mature Spiritual babies need to be coddled. Babies can't handle the difficulty of life. Everything needs to be safe. Everything needs to be safe. If you think that's the most important thing in our world, I just want you to look at our country. It is full of kids and young people who need to be coddled at every corner. Too many things trigger them forcing them to need safe spaces to go hide. It's all over college campuses. It's all over the place. They wonder why they're filled with anxiety and fear and depression. It's because they need to be coddled all the time. Is this the kind of life we want to live spiritually? Like, do we want to live the space where we feel like we need to be coddled all the time? Like, God has not called us into that. But the reality of it is, is that if we stay spiritually mature, this is the kind of stuff that's going to happen. Spiritual babies, they need to be supported. They need to be held up. Listen, I could go on, but I hope for those who don't see that this is an important thing, you see the danger of not seeking to mature in your walk with Christ. The danger of not stepping into the true life that God has offered and is seeking to give you. And I want to say this too. Any of us, by the way, can be spiritual babies. Age is irrelevant. How long you have been into a, in a church is irrelevant. That doesn't have anything to do with spiritual maturity. It, it rarely, in fact, reflects spiritual maturity. So all of this that I've said, talking about the leadership of the church and what we're trying to aim at and why we're trying to get there and the dangers of not wanting to be mature, and I haven't said anything about what maturity actually looks like. So that's the intro, I guess. How can we know what to toil for without some image of the desired outcome? Luckily, this is not a subjective topic in Scripture. It's actually very, very clear and very consistent. So here, scripturally, is what maturity looks like. Maturity is Christ-likeness. Maturity is Christ-likeness. Jesus is the living definition for us 
for what maturity in every sphere of life looks like. We are to press forward until, as Paul puts it in Ephesians chapter 4, we are to press forward until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood and womanhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's, a, that's quite the measure, isn't it? To the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Do you even see Paul there showing the dangers? Like if you don't seek to do this, like you're just going to be tossed to and fro? Like this is what it means to mature. Have you ever seen those apps that take a picture, like two different pictures of a person or two different people, and then they slowly morph them together? Like, so think of an app where it's a picture of myself and a picture of my son, Ethan, and it slowly shows you the, the image shifting from me to Ethan. This is what we're talking about. Someone's, there we go. But this is the idea that, that we are to conform from who we were to who Jesus is. Have you ever seen those apps? That middle space is kind of creepy, right? When you get two faces merged together, but isn't that most of our lives? Like, maybe creepy is the wrong word, but dysfunctional for sure. Like, we're, we're trying to conform to the image of Christ, but we're not there yet. Like, we want to be, but we still have a lot of us there. But this is what maturity is about. Maturity is about us taking our likeness and giving way and letting that die to the likeness of Jesus in our lives. This is why Paul says, it is no longer I who live, it is Christ who lives in me. Like, this is the goal of every believer. And sadly, many never even begin this process. They never even begin the morphine stage because salvation's all that mattered. Being a disciple is synonymous with some level of this conforming into the image of Jesus Christ. And so maturity is Christ-likeness, an ever-growing more Christ-like. And it happens in five key areas of our lives. First, maturity happens in our thinking and our wisdom. This is the mind. This is the way of thinking. It's marked by truth. Not your truth, not CNN's truth or Fox's truth, not my truth, but his truth. Remember the cultural sermon series we did? It was all about engaging that reality, like us being anchored into truth. 1 Corinthians tells us that to not be like, 1 Corinthians tells us not to be like children in our thinking, but to learn, to grow, and to adopt his way of thinking, his way of seeing the world as our spiritual father. It starts here. Romans 12 says to renew our minds daily. Sadly, I think many of us are more adept at adopting the views of a political party than adopting the view of Jesus. More adept at adopting the views of a particular news agency than we are adopting the views of Jesus. We're more adept at adopting the views of a, a singer or an author or an influencer on Twitter or Instagram than we are at adopting the views of Jesus. Man, if we would take the same zeal that we take to engage those things and engage what Jesus has called us to, what would the people of God look like? How are you seeking to mature in your thinking? What are you bringing into your mind day in and day out all the time? How are you seeking to mature? And then interesting, how are you teaching that to others? Because you know, that's a part of maturing in your thinking is that it's not just for you. It's for your kids and for your grandkids and the people in the church and others around you. Second, maturity happens in our love. Maturity to love one another. As we instruct, as we share truth, we do it in love. We are to love one another with a self-sacrificing type of love. This becomes a major part of how we interact with those around us. Jesus said that we would be seen and known as his disciples by our love for one another. Immature believers will not love like Christ. Meaning that the mature must love all the more like Christ. Immature believers will not love like Christ. We often fail in this. 
Many times, the mature might expect the immature to act a certain way, to do certain things, to tithe, to to serve and be a part of the church. And when they don't, they get angry and upset and mad and want to lecture instead of lean into more love. And all that does is show their immaturity. We were all immature at one point. At one point, we all felt like that wasn't necessary in our lives. And so we as the church are supposed to handle conflict with maturity and the love of Jesus. We're supposed to handle instruction with, in the love of Jesus. We're, help to, we're supposed to engage relationships with the love of Jesus, self-sacrificing type of love. We are to be maturing in our thinking, maturing in our love for one another, and maturing in our view of life and good works. This is a sober-minded seriousness and clarity to our calling, our purpose, and the ultimate destination of every single believer. Remember that, those principles before? How many of us are only looking at today? How many of us are not sober-minded with what the reality of the world that we're in? You know, we're all in a spiritual battle. This isn't a neutral ground that we're standing. We are standing in enemy territory by living in this world. Now, we have the king of kings at our backs, but nonetheless, like we are to watch and to pray and to be putting on the armor of faith in our lives. We're to be looking ahead, not prioritizing play and silliness, but work and the importance of the task. Are we putting our hands to the plow, brothers and sisters? Or do we want to play? It's easy to look at this generation and say, oh, they just want to play video games, and yet spiritually, are we doing the same type of thing? Let us put our hands to the plow. Philippians 3.15 says we are to be forgetting what is behind and pressing forward, understanding the will of God, taking it seriously. Brothers and sisters, the immature are not bothered by such things as the lost. The immature don't care about the lost. The immature are not bothered by such things as storing up heavenly treasure. The immature are not bothered by such things like reading the word of God. The immature are not bothered by such things as serving the kids' ministry. The immature are not bothered by such things as giving to the church. The immature are not bothered by such things as the future kingdom of God that is going to come when Jesus returns. The immature think about now and what I can get for myself. Let's be mature. Let's seek maturity as the people of God. This is where the rubber of what we hear and we know hits the road of what we do. Amen? Be not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word. We begin to live this stuff out and live the way Christ has called us to. It becomes a visible litmus test for our spiritual maturity. And again, this isn't just about not cussing. We're not drinking. It's about taking the holistic approach of what God has called us to. Maturity in the view, or maturity in view of life and good works, and then maturity in constant training. Hebrews 5:14 says that the mature practice and train in what God has called them to. You ever think about what it means to train? So when you start to train for something, are you good at it? Usually not. I mean, every once in a while, I guess you get that one person that's like super gifted at something and they just pick it up and it's like a miracle, but that's not the case for most of us. Why do we need to train? Because we're not good at it. Like we need to train because we need constant work. How many of y'all have already failed at the Bible reading plan? Right? Someone's like, not yet, but you will. Right? Something's going to happen. Like why? Because we need to constantly train. And you know what? When we fail like that, we don't give up. Like, we just read a little extra the next day, or we say, well, I'm too far behind, so I'm just starting today, right? And that's okay. We train. This is one of the reasons I love being around new believers, because sometimes when you're working with new believers, when you go to the Word of God, and you open up the text of Scripture, and say they come to something in the Bible that says, love your wife like, uh, like Christ loves the church, they have this zeal to actually learn how to do that. Like they're like, I don't know what that means, so show me. Can I get around some men that maybe can show me what that's like or what that looks like that can mentor me and engage me in that? And they just have this thirst to be obedient to what it is, knowing full well they're not there yet. 
And the hope would be that when they start the process, they can be the story that says, man, our first three years of marriage was a nightmare. Our last five years of marriage have been really sweet and really good because we're growing and training in what it means to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And any number of things. Like we need to be people who are training because this isn't going to happen by osmosis. It's not going to happen just by doing nothing. We're not going to reach maturity. We need to be seeking accountability. We need to be seeking others to press us into maturing. Finally, we should be growing in thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. As we grow in our thinking, as we grow in our lives, we will begin to engage an eternal lens that allows us to be thankful for what God is doing regardless of our circumstances. I'm always amazed. The maturity of a Christian will be seen when hardship comes because they'll be able to, the mature Christian will continue to be able to thank God and rejoice in salvation and all kinds of other things in the midst of that suffering. It doesn't mean they don't hurt and they don't grieve, but they can still rejoice and praise Jesus. The immature, like a, like a baby, like we collapse when we're immature. It's so important. It's why we press forward. And I know that I'm covering a lot, but part of what I'm going to do in 2022 as we begin this year is cast this vision for what we want to aim at and what I challenge you to engage in as the body of Christ here. So you know what we're trying to toil towards, that we want to present every single one of us as mature in Christ Jesus according to his standard and what he looks like. I want to share our mission statement as a church. It's a family that loves God, knows God, loves people, and makes disciples of all nations. Why do we say a family? You know how I said the dangers of a being a baby is that you can't stand alone and you need to be supported? Here's what I would like to say, that we all are fully mature in Jesus Christ, but the problem is none of us are fully mature because none of us have reached his, Christ, his likeness yet. You know what that means? Sometimes we still need to be supported. And sometimes we're still going to fall. And you can't do this alone. We are the family of God, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. We're going to spend more time with the people in this space in eternity than you will any non-believer outside of this space. No matter how close they are to your family right now. This is your family. That loves God? Why do we want to seek to love God and everything we do? Because everything stems from loving God and abiding in the love of God. This is what John tells us. This is what Jesus tells us. Abide in me. No tree can bear fruit unless it abides in the vine. Knowing God, knowing him, because our maturing process of Christ-likeness can only come from knowing him more deeply, not knowing more facts. We want to know him more deeply. Loving people, because walking in biblical love is not only a mark of maturity, but it is a way to deeper maturity. You want to grow in your maturity? Start loving people who are unlovable. Start loving the people that you would easily kind of distance yourself from, and you will see that God will begin to mature you in your faith. Making more disciples, because this is the heart and the mind and the practice that grows from every step of maturing faith. Disciples make disciples at some level. That doesn't mean you move to India. It may mean you teach your kids well. It may mean you teach your grandkids well. It looks different for everybody. But nonetheless, disciples make disciples. Just like, I don't know, people who work on cars, mechanics make other mechanics. This is apprenticeship. You teach. This is what we do. It's part of who we are. So we are a family that loves God, knows God, loves people, and makes disciples of all nations. This is who we want to be in our maturing process. The aim that we call you to pursue in your homes and your workplaces and, and wherever you find yourself, including in this building, which, by the way, is not the church. 
We are the church. It's the picture we're trying to put together with every single activity at Central Christian Church. I want to call you to participate in this aim, not only for yourself, but for other people. To participate in a couple of different things. So here's what I'm going to do in the next couple of minutes. I want to just lay out a little bit of what we do here at this church and why we do it and how it fits into this aim. One, we have our corporate gatherings. We gather together every Sunday, and this is so deeply important for the people of God. It is a time for us and a place for us to celebrate the things that God is doing in the family, in your life, in my life, and all over the place. It's a place for the proclamation of God's word. It is a place for us to come and bring blessing to the heart of God by raising up our voices to him and to fix our eyes upon him. It's a place for us to come and do the Lord's Supper and be reminded of the grace we're all dependent upon. It's a place for us to be encouraged in our fellowship. It's a place to be reminded you're not alone. Scripture says, in your temptation, there is no temptation that has come upon you that is not common to man. You're not alone. In your suffering, there is no suffering that has come to you that somebody else in the body of Christ hasn't walked through. Amen? You're not alone. You're a part of a huge history of believers helps us establish certain formational habits. Can you mature apart from a corporate gathering like this? Maybe if you're connected to some other things. But if you don't see the value of this and you just come willy-nilly once or twice, I don't know, a year or once a month, you're not going to mature in Christ. This is important for us. So we focus on the corporate gatherings together, but we also focus on classes. This is like our Gospel Life classes, which we're going to relaunch and start again right after this service. A place for us to gather together. It's a place for us to go into deeper community. It's hard to have community in this space, isn't it? So you want to connect to the church? This probably isn't the best place for it. You need to connect with people, human beings, and community. It's a place where we can have conversational engagement of the Word. Like, I love it when you all say amen, and we have a few of those types of things, but there's not really a conversation here. You need to be in a place where you can talk about the Word, and you can engage in that conversation with the Word. And classes are a great place to do that. It's a place that provides accountability. It's a place that can provide care for you and your family. When people come to me and say, I, I'm so mad at the church because nobody visited me in the hospital. I say, well, we didn't know you were in the hospital. Did your community group come? Well, no, I'm not in one. Did your class come? Well, no, I'm not in one. Well, how are we supposed to know that you're not connected to anybody? Care happens at this level, not, not in this level. This is super important. And so we're doing other classes, like um, this is where we want to do deep theological teaching. So we're playing some things in the fall. We've got a class on how to study the Scripture coming up on the 30th of January. This is what our next step class is for, to teach and to engage in those things. So classes are super important for the church. We also have house churches in our place. House churches are our small group ministry. This is where we get deep life-on-life ministry. There's more emphasis on walking than just studying, growing in obedience and our abilities to disciple others, prayer, and mission. We encourage one another to be in the lives of those who don't know Jesus. How amazing would it be to be walking with a group of people where you can come and say, hey, I've got John in my life, and John doesn't know Jesus. Will you pray with me for John, and would you be a part of that engagement with me if I get a chance? Now, we're looking for a house church pastor to step into this space, but this is an important part of what it means to be growing in maturity in our lives. We believe this is valuable. Something that's not on this page, but partly because of space, is what we would call communities. So communities within the church are areas where you have um, groups of certain affinities, like young adults or certain stages of life, like widows or um, empty nesters gathering together because at a certain time, it's really good to have people like you going through those things at a particular time. So we have men's communities, like meeting every Monday morning at 6.30 to pray for the church, or every Saturday morning uh, to pray for the church. We have women's studies, women's retreats, where women can gather and do women things. I don't know what you guys do in there, but I'm sure it's super cool. But Tori and their team, like that's what their goal is. They put together women because at times you just need another woman, right? 
And men, at times, you just need another men, man. This is for young adults. We've got young adult communities. We've got student communities. And so if you want to connect into some of those types of things, then you can start looking for those communities to be a part of. All of this are tools to help get to a place where, like Paul's heart for the people in Colossae, we can say we are laboring and toiling to present everyone mature in Christ. This is why we teach. It's why we, we, we rebuke. It's why we warn. It's why we do all of these things. These things all provide that function. And if you're just not a part of it because you just don't want to be, my question is, why are you here? I'm glad you're here. Don't mishear me. But if you aren't wanting to mature in Jesus, why are you here? And maybe you don't know Jesus, and you're here because you want to check it out. Praise God. So glad you're here. Let us talk to you about it. We want to introduce you to Jesus. He is the best person in this entire universe to follow and be in relationship with. But for us who know Jesus, like we're here to mature. You know why? For the sake of God's glory, starting in this city, going out into the whole world. Amen? Remember, we're a part of something big. I think it's easy for us to forget about the city we live in and all the people who don't know Jesus. And we're called to make disciples. And you know the call of the church, again, all kinds of aims of the church, equip the saints for the work of ministry. Don't watch Darren do the work of ministry. Don't watch we do the work of ministry. Don't watch David Mann do the work of ministry. Don't watch your elders do the work of ministry or Tina or uh, Mandy do the work of ministry. No, no, you're called to do the work of ministry. We're no more special than you are. We're just doing the gift that God has given us in this context. You do the gift God has given you in this context. Be the body of Christ. Seek to grow in maturity for the sake of his glory in this entire city and all through this world. This is our vision, and, and it's God's vision for each of us. My question this morning, though, is it your vision for yourself? Is it your vision for yourself? I want to assume that every single person here wants to grow, wants to mature that this is a vision you have for yourself and for your family. If it isn't, there's nothing we can do to bring it about in your life. Jesus never tried to disciple people who didn't want to be disciples. Sometimes we get ourselves wrapped up trying to force that, but you can't disciple someone who doesn't want to be discipled. You can't make a young person decide they want to become mature. You can show them what it's the beauties of it. You can show them the value of it. You can point them in the right direction and give them all kinds of tools. But if they refuse and they want to stay immature, there's nothing you can do about it. Brothers and sisters, there's lots of places that you can go to hear a sermon a couple times a month and hear some Christian motivational speeches, but that is not what we want to be about at Central. That is not the church that we want to be. We want to fight the good fight of the faith. We want to run the race. We want to take hold of the prize. We want to mature in our faith. We want to be in the battle. We want to be in the game, not just be on the sidelines. As a people, not just a few pastors, but as a people, hundreds of people. And so we start 2022 with this challenge. We started 2022 last week with the challenge to read the Bible throughout this whole year. And maybe you weren't here last week. Uh, we've got a reading plan that, that's just for January and February, which helps you to read through the scriptures. There's a family section and a secret section. If you don't have a family, you can read them both. But if you read it 20 minutes a day, you'll read through the whole Bible in a year. We've got those in paper copy out in Info Central. We've got them in an app form. If you go to our app or online, you can download it. It's there available for you. I know some of you aren't real savvy with social media, but you know if you hashtag something, then it's searchable. So imagine what would happen if we all started to flood social media with the things that God was doing in our lives through what we were learning in our daily reading plan. And we all hashtagged it. 
CCC Bible plan. Wouldn't it be cool to flood social media with thousands of, I was in Ezra chapter 8 today, and this is what God showed me. And we have a conversation. Man, that would be actually something social media could be good for. Instead of all the drivel that's there. But we have to be in the Word of God. So I want to encourage you to take up that step. To take up that. And listen, you're going to miss days. You're going to fail. You're going to have times it doesn't work. That's okay. Don't let the enemy use that to discourage you from pressing forward. Take 2022. Take today. If you want to get involved in a class or or a house church, and again, our house churches are are still working because we're working to find a pastor to fill in Sean's place, um, and hopefully God will bring us that person in the coming months, but but we want to plug into these things. I want to challenge you to plug into these things. This isn't our challenge. It's not my challenge. I want to be clear. It is God's challenge to you. To be conformed into the image of his son. Will you hear it? Will we hear it together as a church? Father, I want to thank you for this morning and this time. I know there's a lot. I mean, there's just so much I just threw out. And I I get that. And I try not to do that usually. But I pray that nonetheless that your spirit would still... Put in the hearts of your people a passion, at the simplest form, a passion to mature, to mature, to grow, to not just be tossed about by the days and the circumstances and the culture, but to press hard and forward and to be more conformed in the image of your Son. Father, I pray that for those of us that at times we find ourselves apathetic to this call, Lord, help us to just confess it and just repent of it. Today is a new day, and your mercies are new for all of us. And I pray that you would just give us a zeal to step into these things. I pray, Father, that you would use this as a, as a launching point for your spirit to work in your people, that you would go and take us out into this city, and that we would proclaim your excellencies, led by your spirit, bearing fruit for your kingdom. Father, I pray that we would be an army of laborers into the harvest. Lord, may you make that be the case as we seek to grow more and more and more faithful to what you've called us to. Father, I pray that you'd help us to love one another well. We're all a mess. We're all at some point and at some times the baby with the messy diaper. And we need each other to love love one another well. May we be people full of patience and kindness and forgiveness and love towards one another. Father, help us to be a maturing people. And Lord, now, before we enter into communion, I pray for those that are in this space or listening that don't know you. I pray, Father, that you would give them a vision for what it is to be in Christ, in your Son. They're here for a reason. Whether someone's trying to tell them the value of the gospel and the good news of the gospel or whether they themselves are trying to figure it out. But Father, I pray that by your spirit, you would open their eyes to see the life and the abundant life that Jesus is calling them into. They would see the hope that is present. And Father, I just pray that by your spirit, you would call them to yourself. I pray and ask these things in your name.